Source Radio. Now, last weekend, the wrestling world, especially the independent scene, went into meltdown with allegations of predatory behaviour, sexual assaults, bullying, inappropriate comments. I mean, the list goes on. This sparked an online speaking out movement. That's similar to the Me Too movement. And joining me now via Skype is Erin Dick. She is a wrestling writer and the editor of Bronco Busters, a website. She's a broadcaster, uh, a content extraordinaire, and also a wrestling fan. Hello and welcome. Hi, Joel. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for joining me. I guess uh, this speaking out movement happened, I mean, everyone's most wrestling fans have some form of Twitter account or some form of online presence and hashtag speaking out or speak out uh, that was really doing the rounds uh, last week. I mean, are you you surprised that uh, female wrestlers, female fans or just even males or people coming out sort of with these type of allegations with a industry that's been surrounded in secrecy since it's, I mean, you know, wrestling was ever a thing? Um, oh, well, first up, before I start, I, I do just want to acknowledge that I'm calling in from Wadawurrung land in the Kulin Nation, um, and I pay my respect to elders past, present and emerging, mm-hmm. given we're all calling in from different places right now. Like, it's important to acknowledge that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised. Like, I'm mm-hmm. shocked and I'm heartbroken, and I know a lot of my friends in the scene are, and especially those who are women or queer people like myself. But, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. I don't think wrestling is any different from what we've seen, like you said, in other entertainment industries or mm. in the sports industry. When we're no exception to that, it's all we live in a society that's built on patriarchy, and within that, inherently, rape culture does exist. Yeah, and I think even more so, the fact that wrestling is this historically male-dominated industry and scene, not only in like participatory culture but with fandom as well, it appeals to a male audience. So I think that makes it already a really uncomfortable place to be as a as a woman and as a, a queer person as well myself. But yeah, if you think about those intersects of fans who are further marginalised from this space, it's yeah, it's a really hard thing to hear that this is happening to people in this scene, fans and performers alike. That you know we have this close link to each other because yeah, like you said, it is such a small almost secretive space in in many places and there's a lot of trust involved with that so yeah it sucks it really sucks and you know I can I can only speak from my own perspective as a fan and experience in this but yeah I really feel for people who have been you know put in this position and have been made to come out and speak about what's been happening don't have to name names of course but I mean are you sort of close to anyone do you have friends who have kind of been in a situation which we've seen been uh, you know allegations online of photos being sent via text or I guess inappropriate communication between wrestlers on the Australian scene are you close with anyone that sort of uh, has experienced that yeah well I won't yeah I won't name names because I'll leave that to people to take ownership of in their own right but I mean Mm. you've probably yourself seen a lot of people um, in the local scene and uh, yeah I can, I've seen stuff in America obviously and it's happening at that level in, with the WWE which is you know unfortunate but again no surprise but it's happening all the way down to the independent grassroots mm. level as well which is super upsetting but yeah lots of people in the scene that have come and spoken out and I mean this is stuff that I mean if you think about like the extent of the assaults that are being alleged or spoken about there's a whole spectrum of stuff and there is this whole gray area as well that comes into it where yeah I've had conversations with 
women in the business and queer people in the business who some of this locker room banter type stuff is just so normalized and mm. um, you have to just put on a brave face to to get bookings which I think is you know absurd but that is coming from me who hasn't had to actually work my way through the ranks and and that kind of thing but that's that's the structure and that's the that's the build of how to make it in the business and I think something about that needs to change. And it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the effect, uh, not just on the wrestlers and crew, but, you know, you, you mentioned the LBGT community, uh, fans such as yourself. I mean, you know, people who have bought merchandise, uh, supporting people facing these allegations, obviously unknowingly, and just the the mixed feelings that they have. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of people on Twitter being like, oh, I'm going to have to burn my merch now, and um, which is a totally valid response, like, that's fair it's kind of like your trust has been broken or you feel Mm. betrayed where you've invested in this person who yeah I mean like if to use one of the examples of the allegations David Starr who's been such a vocal advocate for um, anti-semitism and race in wrestling and uh, it's just kind of turned bitten him on the ass a little bit (laughs) to to be frank the that behavior that's been exposed so yeah it's really upsetting to see these kind of falls from grace but I mean at the same time I feel like I'd rather see that and those spaces made way for people who are more deserving, you know. And I I guess that question as well of, like, when you're having to, like, throw away merch and stuff, it makes me think of, like, cancel culture and how effective Mm. that is. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately, especially with regard to wrestling, because previously I was, like, all for it. But I I feel like it's not not super effective anymore, just being able to, like, oh, okay, we're just going to throw out that T-shirt now and then that person you know, it, sure, we don't want them in the industry anymore because they're a threat, but beyond throwing away their T-shirt, what good is that going to do? And, I mean, yeah, it's it's a complicated conversation, I think, but the aspect of whose who's onus is it to kind of take responsibility for these things and, like, is it enough to just say someone's off the, the card or off the roster? Is that enough? I don't know. You bring up the cancel culture now. Uh, obviously, there's a there's a whole different party which is, I guess, critical of the cancel culture. Is there a chance for these people who are facing allegations, I guess, to be somewhat rehabilitated, to apologise, realise where they've gone wrong, and be welcomed back into the wrestling community? Because I think as a society, we are very quick to, you know, cancel people. And I mean, there's a lot of allegations. I guess some. I, I'm not trying to say more serious than others, but I guess it's all down to the circumstance that they happened. Sammy uh, Guevara, is it from AEW? Uh, yeah. He, he made a comment four years ago, which was inappropriate, but he obviously then went to apologise to Sasha Banks and made a public apology. And I, I mean, from my standpoint, I mean, I kind of feel that really kind of need, he owned it. But obviously, still a suspender, with, with, apparently without pay. I mean, that sort of compared to actual rape allegations and things of a more serious nature. Do they have to be based on that? Is it's not a blanket where you can just cancel everyone? Yeah, I think that the first thing to acknowledge is that we don't necessarily have the language yet. I think in our society and in our culture to describe the complexity of sexual assault because of that. Yeah, that very reason where there is this spectrum that exists. And like I mentioned before, there's this gray area of yeah locker room banter, which is kind of what happened with Sammy, mm. um, where that was just kind of like an, a, a sly comment that, you know, we frown upon now and is completely abhorrent to say. But there's obviously a culture that he's been brought up in that where he's thought that that's okay. Mm. Um, and we know that those sort of comments are part of a system that feeds into this, you know, systemic rape culture. So... 
we need to kind of focus at that level as well, I think, and we need to hold people accountable who are making those comments, even if they were years ago, we still need to, you know, the internet exists, it's a thing, things that we say don't die. So I feel like that's a good thing, you know, it means that we're able to hold people accountable in that way. I've been reading a lot because I need to also preface that I'm no expert in this either, like I'm, I'm no... Um, just a fan like you and yeah, like yeah, 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 but even just in terms of like sexual assault and, and social... I guess social change and transformative change is not something that I'm an expert in, but it's something I try to learn about every day and been reading a lot. There's a website, Sprout Distro, Sprout Distribution, that do a lot of great readings on like those great areas of sexual assault and how we can kind of change the perspective to be more about rehabilitation as opposed to, yeah, cancelling people who are mm. perpetrators. And I feel like that's important as well. But I, I think in the example of AEW, like what they did was a good step forward that there was repercussions for Sammy's actions with the suspension and they've also acknowledged that um, and Sammy took it upon himself I guess to make that apology to Sasha and they've had a private conversation and you know Sasha didn't have to be the queen that she is and acknowledge acknowledge him the way that she did but she did so mm-hmm. I think that's a positive thing and yeah if we can see more of that kind of thing happening at a in a private space as well and those, those conversations being had about well why wasn't this comment okay or even just questioning because yeah I've heard stuff at shows before where like, like guys who've been sat next to me have been heckling or they've said really disgusting things to the women who are in the ring performing mm. and I've had to turn to people and go hey like what does that mean what does that comment you've just said mean and you find that when you ask someone to explain a derogatory comment and why it's funny that they can't. They can't mm. tell you what they, why what they've just said is funny because they've been called out. So I think we need to do more of that at the ground level and start unpacking things in terms of, yeah, the way we talk to each other and the way that consent is shared among our community. Being a fan, you can, you know, you, you can cheer and boo and all that, but obviously it has to be within a, uh, be appropriate, especially, I guess, when, the, you know, if it's a derogatory comment made to a female wrestler. Yeah, I've had this conversation like a thousand times over with my mates in the industry, like uh, male, female, everyone in between. Just because you've bought a ticket to the show doesn't mean Mm. you're entitled to abuse someone. Like the people in the ring, the people sitting next to you, they're all human, especially the people in the ring. Just because they're putting on a a bad guy character doesn't entitle you to boo them for their gender or their sexuality Mm. or their their race like you just don't be a dick like that's that's straight up like if you bought a ticket you still are opting into this like this boundary this consent boundary where you're allowed to heckle for you know for obvious reasons if someone's doing a bad guy trope go for it but yeah just I don't know how to explain that beyond just be a decent human being and show some respect this all sort of started uh the UK was a bit of a uh a big sort of hotbed for all these allegations which were seen online but it has obviously made its way to australia i guess i'm biased and i feel like the local wrestling scene here in sydney obviously where you are in melbourne great talent and great wrestling which is happening all over australia really and we're sort of beginning to be recognized obviously uh, wwe did a pay-per-view back in 2018 in melbourne obviously they understand that there's talent here i i guess obviously mixed with COVID-19 everything's kind of been shut down I mean how does wrestling come back from this I mean wrestling will come back from this but it's going to be a bit difficult I mean in your opinion how does how does Australian wrestling put a positive foot forward from Mm. here 
Well, it's interesting. Like everything is, it seems so connected right now. 2020 has been like one of the most turbulent years, at least that I've lived through. But I feel like it's all coming together at this tipping point moment where we have we have an opportunity now to kind of deconstruct these, um, just de- deconstruct these spaces that we've been brought up in and kind of rebuild them from the ground up. Like, which is exciting. That's an opportunity. Like th- the fact that so many people have been brave enough and have felt safe to come forward about their stories and we're seeing people reprimanded for that kind of shows that you know inherently there is value within this wrestling community for good and to build a safe space for people and you know as fans at least I think we have a responsibility to keep doing that and to keep calling people out and questioning behavior and rebuilding the way that this you know this industry is shaped because and that's got to start from fans, but it's also got to happen from, you know, the top down as well. Like we need to see companies implementing safety procedures and we need them to bring in codes of conduct and ethics and really holding people accountable for the, those sorts of misconduct um, from the, the second they start training. And we need, obviously, a lot of the allegations have been um, in relation to power dynamics in training and age differences as well. There's, there's a lot of underage young people involved um well they were young people when these things happened which is you know abhorrent and um there needs to be more protocol around safety in that regard who gets to train who and um yeah i think once we start to see that happening and companies locally are advocating for that behavior fans will then be able to follow and be able to support that the work the work that they do but yeah I, I think that people are freaking out especially the UK I saw a few comments going around like oh the UK UK wrestling's dead the scene's dead because you know it, all the top guys were they were in that list but the UK wrestling's not dead no no wrestling scene is dead like do you know how many great women's wrestlers there are in the world right now do you know how many great queer wrestlers there are in the world you have people of color who haven't had opportunities before until now and now there's all this space that we can make for them to mm. feel safe and to come forward and to perform and do their thing like that, that that's an exciting opportunity if you ask me just in regards not necessarily in the wrestling scene but if someone has had a any type of encounter of a predatory behavior a sexual assault i guess what where's the best place to go well, th- this is the thing, right, is that, like, our society isn't built to believe people who are survivors of assault. Like, the only place that people can go is necessarily is the police, and they're not always very helpful or, mm. or trustworthy. So we need more community resources, and this, this feeds into everything that's happening in the world right now, right? We need more funding directed towards community and culturally um, competent support systems and resources for people who are victims of this sort of thing. And wrestling companies need to be aware of those support networks and know where it's not their place. Because I feel like wrestling can, at the same time, it kind of sees itself as this progressive industry. And I'd say that with quotation marks because there's a lot of shortcomings in that perspective where we're not equipped to deal with this sort of thing. And that's more than apparent now where companies don't a lot of them haven't known what to say when all of these Mm. allegations have have come up and they've said the wrong thing so we need to know when to look outward and to kind of pop this bubble that exists in the wrestling scene and to kind of look outward to what other industries are doing what what are the entertainment industry doing what are sport industries and companies doing to support their workers because yeah we have essentially we're operating a business without any sort of business infrastructure. There's no human resources element. There's no 
there's no welfare. Like that's that's the whole, I guess, the movement that was happening mid last year. I think it was with with this movement for wrestlers wanting to unionize, and mm. that's about their own safety ultimately, and and their right to be safe while they're working and to be protected. So, yeah, there's a lot of change that needs to happen, and a lot of that's going to come from the outside, and we need to be open and listen to to what what needs to be done. I think with that, but. Yeah, there's a lot of institutional barriers to break down, I think, and that's that's really scary. But at the same time, who knows what's going to happen? It's 2020. Like, yeah, who knows? It. There's still half the year to go, pretty much. Um, I know uh, from – I'm not sure what some of the Melbourne uh, companies are doing or what sort of statements they've put out, but I know PWA, um, they're kind of looking into their uh, – I mean, their internal sort of – I don't know if contracts is the right word, but some form of, a, I guess, an agreement with talent – that they adhere to certain rules, which I think is in development um, as we speak. So I think maybe that will probably be a thing that maybe most companies take on, mm. not only in Australia, but I guess uh, across the world perhaps. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think that PWA have been really great. They've been really vocal and they're um, a company that I really admire in terms of the work that they're doing to kind of shift culture. And in, in the last few years, especially towards women's wrestling, they've been doing a lot of great content that is culture changing. So I admire them for that. And, and and it's a shame that it's taken, you know, this to to kind of get people to start thinking about this stuff in terms of contracts and codes of conduct, but at least it's happening is all I can say. And if, if I think about some companies that I really admire that are doing great work, I think about Riptide in the UK who have those sort of policies in place for their contractees and freelancers. And then you've also got their fan code of ethics that people need to opt into when they come to shows and that's basically just don't don't be awful and then you also got eve who are another uk wrestling company who are really vocal about when you're i went to a show uh i think it was last year when i was in the uk and the just the space is so welcoming because they're, they're really vocal about all right make space for each other and make sure that people who are may not have opportunities to see shows like, a, you know, a queer person who in physical spaces is made to feel small, make sure they're pushed up to the front and there is this culture of supporting each other in the in the space, which is really important. And I know that here in Melbourne, there's a lot of talk now about people rallying together to kind of get these sort of structures in place. And I'm excited to see what happens. I think MCW, you know, will be working on things and they're, they're my home company. So looking forward to seeing their response and what they do to correct some of this stuff. But there's some other stuff in the works which I'm excited about. I remember Underworld, before they ceased, they were really great. And Justin Collar was the kind of leader in that in terms of making space for people and making sure that fans were opting into this agreement before they came to shows and that their rights were protected as well is something that we don't often talk about is that, Yes, you have a responsibility as a fan, but you also have the right to feel safe in this space. So, yeah, I think wrestling companies need to listen to each other and see that that work is being done and keep keep putting that in writing as well and making sure that it's part of policy and it's on it's on the bottom of tickets that you, when you come, this is a space where you everyone should feel that they belong. And, I mean, change, it doesn't happen overnight. It's something that's obviously going to take um, some time, but I guess um, we'll be watching and seeing, I guess, how that does develop. just wanted to thank you, Erin. She is the editor and wrestling writer for Bronco Busters. She's a broadcaster, and I think I said at the top of the uh, interview, uh, content extraordinaire. Anything uh, that uh, I can plug for you? I can plug my Twitter, I guess. It's at Ez Tweener. That's E-Z 
T-W-E-E-N-E-R. I need to change that. It's a stupid wrestling reference that isn't funny anymore. It was funny for a short while. Um, and um, I guess if you want to check out some of my other work, um, my website is erindick.net and I have all my Bronco Buster stuff there as well. So definitely check that out. Wrestling Source Radio.